Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another brand new edition of geek to me Radio. Today, this is our Pensacon wrap-up show, an online exclusive. We're going to have interviews with Kat Cressida, Dee Wallace, Sophie Aldred, and Adasa coming your way, plus some more information about our live show. All that and more, stand by. I haven't done one of these for a while. We've been basically just doing live radio shows on the Big 550 KTRS. Haven't done a lot of just online podcasts in quite a bit, so it's fun to be getting back to those. I've just got so many interviews ramped up here and booked that I've got to start getting them out. And plus, this was a great way uh, to do a Pensacon wrap up. It was a great convention down in Pensacola, Florida, my second time attending. I got to host some panels with Christian Basil from The Legend of the Traveling Tardis. Another great show if you were looking for some Doctor Who content. Make sure you check out The Legend of the Traveling Tardis. Subscribe to them and uh, listen to all the cool stuff they've got going on over there. Was able to hang out, meet him in person, but Pensacola, uh, Pensacon is a great place, great town, a lot of fun. There's so much going on, and this is just a little bit of what I got to do while I was there. I got to interview these four incredible ladies. I should have released this uh, earlier on for International Women's Day, but it is what it is. I'm getting it out still. That's the important thing, and I feel like this has a little bit of something for everyone in these four interviews that I've got coming up for you. With that said, let's jump right into our first guest. We're at Pensacon. We're talking with Kat Cresta, the woman of many voices, as she takes her gum out of her mouth for the interview. <laughs> for those of you who can't see, now I had to give them the visual. Thanks very much for the time today. I appreciate talking to you. <laughs> My pleasure. Love you guys. So with all the different voices you do, I was looking at your TV roles. You did everything from Murder, She Wrote to Doom Patrol, Diagnosis Murder. You've got to work with amazing people throughout your career. Like we mentioned, obviously, Murder, She Wrote. We just lost Angela Lansbury. Diagnosis murder. Luckily, he's holding on. Um, when you look back at your career, all the television work you've done, what did you kind of learn from your experiences working with all these people? Was there anything like I learned this from Angela Lansbury? I learned comedic timing or anything like that? Or oh my god, I learned so much from those people. First of all, their kindness and their um, care for their guest cast, both of them, Dick Van Dyke and Angela Lansbury, and both their shows made a huge point. I was a tot. I was so young when I did those, literally right out of college, and nervous, excited, scared, everything you can imagine landing those roles opposite them. And instead of handing off things to other people or making it someone else's job, my very first day on set for Murder, She Wrote, we were on the famous back lot of uh, Universal Studios, where they shot The Sting. 
which was oh, wow. amazing. And like 10 steps away from where they shot some of Jaws. It was such a crazy, iconic, pinch me, I can't believe this is happening. And she literally was brought over by one of her uh, senior producers, David, and wanted to be introduced to all of her guest cast. And literally oh, nice. took the time to just say, you know, in her lovely British accent, which I'm not <laughs> going to try to imitate, but, you know, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. Is it? Do you like to be called Catherine or Cat? I took the opportunity to geek out and say, "Oh my God, Sweeney Todd! I absolutely love you!" And she was like, "God bless you, dude. That you actually know Sweeney Todd." She was so impressed that I knew legitimate Broadway. And but she made it her business to like. It's her show. She was the exec producer. She was the star, and she wanted. And I took that lesson of you know what? It doesn't matter how successful you become be kind to people let them know they're welcome don't make them feel like they're not appreciated say thank you to people it's a big lesson that I took away you know even if you're having a long day say thank you Dick Van Dyke had a sense of humor as you can imagine there's no act about him he's pure warmth heart kindness love and I had a difficult scene with him sitting sitting on the floor of a restaurant it was supposed to be that a bomb went off in a restaurant and I was injured again in this TV series of the 90s but I had to be on this cold cement floor the entire time because it was going to be too much to get all of the fake debris off of me in between shots, so they just kept beating. And he stayed, sat down on the floor with me in between takes so that I wouldn't be feeling stuck by myself and left alone. So because the star of the show was sitting on the floor, everybody else started, you know, so... Lead by example. Yeah, generosity of spirit was what I really tried to take away from him. And I'm interested because Jesse with uh, Toy Story, obviously you were the voice double for Joan Cusack in the games and everything like that. What? How does one get into the business being a voice double? Are you like in a database where they know you match with certain voices? Do they look? They say we're looking for this, and you come out and try your best to imitate it. How does that work? I mean, whenever <clears throat> whenever there's a new lead that's established for any Disney or Pixar film, um, they immediately start looking for a, a voice match. Voice match. Uh, so that any time that the star is not available, they can find somebody who creates the audio illusion of that character. So, you, I mean, you audition and then you go through callbacks. And they're obviously looking for the person who's getting as close to it as possible, and I'm hugely honored. I learned so much from doing that one voice match because it's such an extraordinarily unique voice. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And with, obviously, Haunted Mansion, too, when people go through this ride, they're hearing your voice on this thing. What was the process? Every moment of every day, <laughs> someone is hearing it, which is the coolest feeling in the world. Yeah, because, uh, uh, like you said, it's always going to be there. When when, uh, when you were doing that, did they... When you auditioned... Obviously, we know what the voice audition process is for a role in a cartoon or an animated. What's it like for a theme park gig? Did Disney already... Were they familiar with you and then said, hey, we want you to try this as well? How did that come about? So that was through Imagineering, and... Luckily, I had already done Tower of Terror um, like a year or so earlier as the little girl lost. And so they 
they knew me in the casting director knew I was a big Disney geek that my dad had worked with Imagineering he knew that I had a genuine passion for the classic attractions but truthfully originally I mean if you really want the real story of this particular role because it's not a general how do you get into Disney oh no parts. no no that's okay. what I want yeah they had wanted an actress a young beautiful blonde 25 year old actress to be both the face and the voice because you see her face in the portraits right. um, with all the different husbands that she's often moved, moved on from and then somewhere in the casting process someone put together that since the voice was going to be I don't want to say more key but you would hear the voice throughout the attic and it would define the character mm-hmm. and they wanted the voice to be very feeling like it belonged to the mansion the, because this role was added in 2004 the mansion's from 1969 so they wanted it to feel like it had always been there and they wanted to find something that felt like maybe it would trick people into thinking it had always been part of the mansion not suddenly dropped in in the right. middle sure. and so they realized they would probably need to find a, a voice talent who was passionate about Disney and so they started to look then for voiceover talent and they decided we'll cast the young pretty actress for the portraits and then we'll cast a voice talent and so I was brought in at that point and weirdly enough then I discovered that they were using my face for the moving part of it. So there's an actress for the portraits and then there's me. So it was several callbacks and truthfully I wanted that role more than anything ever (laughs) because how often are you going to get the chance to be a voice in the classic mansion ever for all you Disney geeks out there you know what I mean but it was like a once in a lifetime so I sweated those callbacks out beyond anything and going to 2004 that means it should be this they're in perpetuity why change it if it's perfect right well you hope I mean (laughs) you don't know right I'm so just Every every time someone asks me what's it like to be the bride, I can answer truthfully, it has pinched me. I still can't believe that it happened because yeah. I grew up on that attraction. Paul Fries and Thurl Ravenscroft and all these amazing classics. Those are classic Disney voices, by the way, for all you don't know. So, And with also the work in the Marvel Universe, Doom Patrol, now you've dipped your foot in the DC pool. Did you grow up? Involved in comic books, all not, knew nothing oh, about them before you. No, no, no. I, I loved Spider-Man growing okay. up. Peter Parker was my jam. All right. Yeah. So getting to voice Electra, a character you may not have been as familiar with, kind of tangential to Daredevil. Did you, for doing the voice, did they just say, "Here's the storyboards. Here's what it looks like. Here's the voice we want," or did you kind of dig into the character on your own to find the voice? Well, again, as a voice talent, you're honored to audition for these things, but you're one of several thousand people sometimes who are auditioning for these things. So. Nobody personally said anything. It just was like, this is, we're looking for the voice of this iconic character. She's low-key, she's understated, but you don't want to, this is not someone you want to cross. Right. And then they, you know, then you audition and you hope that your version of it is what they're looking for. And with all the voice stuff you've done, you've done, we talked about your on-camera stuff, and then getting into the video games, we had Kevin Conroy on the show before he passed, obviously, and he said that doing the video games is like getting a root canal on steroids because it's like, say the line. Okay, now say it with a wry smile. Okay, now say it again with some irony. And he said he... I, he hated doing video games. Oh, really? Do you enjoy the video game process versus... Them. Really? Okay. I love them because... I mean, it depends on the game. And if it's one where I'm screaming a ton... Sure. 
that you're you're like, please make a choice. Please please pick take A, B, or twenty. <laughs> but but for the most part, they're so beautifully written. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really are. The scripts can be so intelligent and and force you to think, and I love that. And some people are more extroverted, some introverted. They do the voice in the round where you actually can play off the person in the other booth. Video games are obviously pretty much alone in a booth with just the director. Yes. Do you have a preference? Do you work better off the energy of the other actors when you're doing voiceover? Or do you kind of like the solitude of just you and the director getting into the rhythm and, and getting it down? I mean, it's a great question. I honestly love both because they they feed different parts of being an actor. So I like both opportunities. And anything else coming up? Like, what can we, if people want to keep up with you, do we have anything that we can look forward to hearing you or seeing you in? Well, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this is a voice tone, but anything that I'm currently doing, we're not allowed to talk about. That's true. Yeah, that's <laughs> Because we true. sign NDAs. But I'm, I'm honored to be an ongoing presence in Solar Opposites, which was created by the folks Rick and Morty. Um, I've already voice matched. I, I'm a recurring character as Sigourney Weaver in that series, um, which is fun. Uh, there's more Haunted Mansion magic stuff in somewhere, and Jesse stuff somewhere. And <laughs> <laughs> Coming up. Um, and, I mean, I can say this only because it's fun for me. It was a bucket list, those Red Bull commercials with the cute little... Yeah. I got to voice, finally, I was cast as... There's one with two witches, and I'm the lead witch, and that's oh, nice. been running a bunch, and... I absolutely love that because that was. I did not know that was you. So that's that's, that's brilliant. To find that out. Yeah, very that's cool. That's really fun for me. And if people want to keep up with you online, website, social media handles, where can people find you there? Well, I think you know the answer to that now, now do. don't you? Yes. Um, it's just my name at Cat Cressida on Instagram and Twitter. All right, Cat Cressida, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Cat Cressida. She was so kind and sent me an Instagram message after the interview to say what a professional uh, interview it was and how much she thoroughly enjoyed it. Very kind. That's always very pleasant for me to hear because I need that validation. (laughs) I always feel like I'm in my head so much during these interviews. And we'll talk about that coming up with one of these other interviews that you're about to hear. But right now, let's take a quick commercial break. You're listening to geek to me radio. Please stand by. This is Henry Winkler. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, Welcome back to days. Geek to Saturday, Me Radio, our online Pensacon wrap-up show. Uh, before we get into that, let me tell you about our premier sponsor, the people without whom this show would not be possible. That, of course, is the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. You know them from the website discoverstcharles.com. If you haven't checked out the website lately, they've done some updates. It's a, such a well-run and gorgeous-looking website. If you want to go just to see some of the stuff that we always talk about, some of these uh, you know, the, the festivals and all the things there are to see and do, they've got some great stuff. Whoever is running their social media account over there has been doing aces. Uh, if you follow them on Instagram as well, they uh, always have beautiful pictures up of all the stuff going on over there. Uh, if you're out of town, maybe you're in the greater Florida region. I know we picked up a lot of new listeners from the uh, the P- Pensacola, Florida, you know, Panhandle area there. Or maybe you're a longtime listener and just haven't checked out the website in a while. Go take a look, discoverstcharles.com. You may be looking for a new place to visit in 2023. Maybe you want to travel a little bit. I cannot recommend highly enough the city of St. Charles, a great place no matter what 
kind of things may strike your interest. Uh, there's something going on all the time, and there's something for everybody, all ages, demographics. You'll find something that you're going to love about this city, be it the food, the shopping, the dining, the nightlife, whatever it might be. You can plan your trip starting at the website, discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. They've got festivals going on all the time. And of course, I'm very excited because I know it's March and spring hasn't even really hit yet. But now that we're in daylight savings, I start kind of looking ahead. And of course, I'm uh, looking at Halloween coming up. I mean, I'm, I'm weird that way, but Halloween's one of my favorite holidays. Their Legends and Lanterns Festival is something that if you've not come check out St. Charles before, that's something that's totally worth coming for. And also for Christmas, their Christmas Traditions Festival. Uh, while you're there, you're not going to have a bad meal. They've got great restaurants all up and down North and South Maine uh, and in the outlying areas as well. Like I've always said, if you're a history buff, if you're a foodie, if you just want to get out and explore someplace new, St. Charles has you covered. Start your trip at the website, discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. My next guest is one I was so eager to chat with when I saw that they'd added her to the roster for Pensacon. She's a staple of film for, gosh, decades now. I, of course, fondly remember her as the mom on E.T. We'll talk a little bit about that during the course of our interview. Here we go, chatting now with Dee Wallace. The term legendary gets thrown around a little bit, but I'd say with your career you've had, I'm talking to the legendary Dee Wallace. How are you? I'm fabulous. Thank you. Um, it's so impressive that you're consistently working all this time. I looked at, and according to IMDb, you've got 13 projects that are either ranging from pre-production to post-production. Do you are you doing multiple projects? How do you keep track of the ones you're doing? Which ones to promote? It must be it must be crazy. I don't keep track of them. All right. I just do them as they come up and when I'm needed. And you know, if I like the final product uh, and they need me to promote it, I do what I can. With all the different stuff you've done, horror movies are huge genre. Everyone loves being scared and terrified. Growing up, were you a horror movie fan, or is it just kind of like that's been kind of the gig you've gotten here and there, and that's kind of what you enjoy now? Yeah, no, no. Growing up, I never watched horror movies. I was scared to death. Scared (laughs) to death. Uh, And I really didn't go looking for horror movies. They kind of found me. And then I realized how much I enjoyed doing them because I, I really love to use that full emotional life that I have. Yeah. And that genre happens to be the genre that allows you to do that the most. And I mentioned before we started talking about E.T., which I was you know, a little boy, brought to the movie theater by my dad, later by my brother, because he wanted to see it. It's the first time I ever saw a movie more than once in the theater. But it resonated with me, and I'll never forget the scene when you slam the door of the refrigerator and Elliot's standing right there, and you have this emotional... It's such... You know, even as a kid, I'm like, wow, that's such an emotional, raw scene. How do, as an actor, do you conjure up that feeling? Was it just the way the scene was shot? Did it take several takes for you to get that moment just right? How did that particular moment come about? You know, uh, truthfully, and this is very truthfully, I'm better on the first take. Really? Yep. I am, and I don't plan anything out. I don't decide how I'm going to react to anything. Um... I just get my energy very, very high, and I really become the character, and then the character does it. With all the different acting you've done, 
do you remember the first moment where you were in a theater or you saw something on television that made you think, that's why I want to do it? Do you remember the actor, the actress, oh, the did. movie? It was my mother. Oh. And I was watching her do a 30-minute reading, what we would call monologue now, at our church. <clears throat> and... Every, I looked around and everyone in the church was crying and I thought oh I want to move people like like my mommy does and were your parents supportive of it they're like yeah let's do it totally totally yeah do you remember the first time with I mean like I said for those of you who are listening because it's radio on the table there's all sorts of pictures of the different movies you've done everything like that do you remember the first project where you felt like I've made it Gosh, that's a good question. Probably the guest star in Lou Grant, where I played this amazing role called The Hooker. And that led to 10 with Dudley Moore, which then, of course, uh, led to The Howling and E.T. And so for me, I think that would... I, I had a lot of credits before that, but when that one came out, the the part was so tour de force in the writing, and it was it was just so amazing, um, and it led to so many other things. And yeah, it would probably be that one. We had Ed Asner on the show about, uh, I guess, a year and a half before he passed away. Broke my heart that we lost him. He, it seems like we're losing people right and left nowadays. But you've got all this. You mentioned Dudley Moore and Lou Grant, all these people you've worked with on different shows. Do you remember there was an actor and actress where you kind of you learned something from that has stayed with you throughout your career? Yeah, Angie Dickinson. And I did one of my very first guest star roles with her. And I finished, and the director said, oh, that was great, we're moving on. I said, I'd like another one, please. And he, he said, Dee, you don't need another one. It was great. And Miss Dickinson turned around to him and said, if she wants another one, give her another one. <laughs> and so he did. And they yelled cut, and he said, you're right, it was better. So just trusting your instincts then as, a, as an actor? Well, and not only trusting your instincts, but speaking up for yourself when you know you can bring more. Yeah. You know? And E.T., we mentioned again, you're here with several of the cast members from that when you're filming this, obviously each movie, especially each movie, is different. But do you even think that here, 40 years later, would still be that this movie would resonate with generation after generation of people? And what do you think is it about that movie that keeps it in the zeitgeist? You know, I don't think you ever think about that. You you look at it when it comes out, and you think, oh, this is a beautiful movie, and this is a touching movie, and I think the reason that it's lasted this long is that it's very much like The Wizard of Oz. It, it, it just hits the truth in our hearts of, you know, keep your heart open, 
and trust and take responsibility for your own life and you get back home. Yeah. And with all the different projects you're doing, we mentioned 13 in pre-production and post-production, everything coming out. Do you have anything that you're now, like, people can start to look for you in or any of these things that, things you can talk about or are they still developmental, don't talk about it until it's actually given the date? Uh, yeah, I can't really talk about a lot of the films. <laughs> um, but I do have uh, recurring episodes actually starting next week on 911. Oh, great, okay. And I'm recurring in um, Fatal Attraction, which is a new series based on the movie. So those things I can, <laughs> I can throw out there, yeah. And what do you think personally is the secret to constantly working as an actor. Some actors will have droughts. They'll go four or five, six years without a thing. They'll get another great part. You, Like I said, you've consistently worked and they've been great roles. What do you attribute that to? What is it that you found kind of leads to success for an actor? I think the more you love what you do and the less you judge the people you do it with, the more you work. And what else outside of acting inspires you and excites you? Uh, do you? What else is there that's really kind of your passion? I have a whole um, <clears throat> different job. <laughs> As um, I, I teach people, well, I'm an energy reader is the best way I can describe it. And I can reach into people's energy and show them where their blocks are and when it started and uh, teach them how to recreate their lives through choosing their thoughts and their feelings and their beliefs. Okay, I hadn't planned on this, but and so maybe I'm maybe I'm walking into a trap, but do you get an energy feel off me, anything? And you feel free to be candid. My listeners, some of them don't like me anyway, so it's fine. Is, is there a certain energy that you feel or something you're sensing from me at all? I don't work that way. Okay, I just thought I'd throw it I, yeah, out there. That's fine. Yeah, no, I am. Um, see, the big thing that people have to understand is the universe and God and the angels and the guides, whatever terms you use, are waiting for us to choose and know what we want and commit to it because we were given free will to create our own lives. And so people come to me and they have to have specific questions like, why am I not making the money? You know, I keep thinking I want to make the money. And so I go into their energy and give them clues about what they can open up, what they can get in alignment. And is it like a process people go through? Like they, it's, it's I don't want to, I don't want to liken it to therapy, but is it like they make a weekly appointment? Is that kind of how it? Yeah, it is like therapy. And I have actually a lot of people say to me, oh my God, I've been in therapy for 20 years and I never got this clarity. Hmm. You know, because really most of us don't want to take responsibility for our own lives. Right. And we want to keep telling our stories. And everybody has a story. Everybody's been used, abused, left, disappointed, you know. But if you keep identifying with that, 
that tells your brain to keep focused on that, and then you keep creating yourself that way. And if people want to find out more about that or just keep up with your acting, depending on which way they want to go, social media handles, websites, how can people find you online? My website is IamDWallace.com. And I think it's D Wallace underscore D underscore Wallace. I don't, I don't remember all of them. <laughs> it's a lot. But you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> oh, you know, I just looked at your banner. It's at D underscore Wallace. There you go. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. My thanks once again to the wonderful Dee Wallace, such a warm and wonderful person. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with her, and hopefully we'll see her at an upcoming con. I know Henry Thomas is appearing at Pensacon, I'm sorry, at Kansas City Comic Con, Planet Comic Con in Kansas City. Uh, the, the ET people are making their rounds, and I love seeing it. So now I need to, uh, I've got Dee Wallace to sign my ET album, and now I'm going to go have Henry Thomas sign it at Planet Comic Con. Uh, but she's such a delightful human being. Make sure you follow her on Twitter and uh, check her out. A wonderful, wonderful person. We're going to take another quick commercial break. We're going to come right back with Sophie Aldred for all you Doctor Who fans out there. Stick around. Hi, this is Alex Kingston. Welcome back. No spoilers, but you're listening to geek to me Radio. Welcome back to the show. This segment brought to you by Bugs Comics and Games. BugsComicsAndGames.com is the website. If you are wanting to get into comic book collecting, maybe you don't even know where to start and you're like, man, there's so much content out there. Have a chat with Larry at Bugs Comics and Games. He will point you in the right direction. I see him do it all the time for people who come in the store and they're looking at all the stuff he has on the walls and in the cases and in the comic boxes and on the tables and they, they don't know where to start. He's a great, great, great mind when it comes to this. I always say it's like a, he's, a, he's everyone's personal comic concierge. He'll tell you where to start, what kind of person, you, you know, are you a Spider-Man fan? Are you a Batman fan? What do you like? And he'll kind of gauge you into what, uh, you know, here's where you might want to start then, or this is a brand new comic that just started, and this is a fun one. He's really good with like that. It's almost like a comic whisperer when you think about it. But he's uh, got a lot of, lot of, lot of experience with this and a lot, a lot, a lot of inventory. If you're looking to buy some back issues, if you're looking to just buy new comics, if you're wanting toys, if you're wanting games, if you're wanting vintage toys and games, if you're wanting Pokemon cards, Bugs Comics and Games has it all. You might not be in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, so you can't visit them there on Bryan Road in O'Fallon. But you can go check them out on Facebook. Facebook.com, find Bugs Comics and Games and check out the stuff they've got there. I believe their website's under construction because I just went to check on it a few minutes ago and it redirected me to a page that looks like they're maybe adding some more stuff to it because he's got a lot of inventory, a lot of variant covers and things like that. So they're probably updating that as we speak, but go ahead and check back with that and see if uh, you can't get online there. Join the Avengers Club to save yourself some money on your favorite hobby. That's a great thing to do as well. Once again, Bugs Comics and Games. Very proud to have them as the official comic book sponsor here on geek to me Radio. Uh, this interview, I was so I was a little nervous because, you know, this is the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who coming up, and Sophie Aldred, companion to the seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy, she was ace in that series, and she does a great job in the Big Finish audios. 
I was thinking about all the places there are I want to start with this interview, what I want to talk about, but I feel like I, I realize as I'm listening back to the interview, two mistakes. One, I'm in my head too much. I'm worried about, okay, is there someone coming up behind me because I don't want to block her at this convention from you know getting someone an autograph or a photo op with somebody. I don't want to keep her from making money because she's having this lovely conversation with me. The second thing I realized is it's one of those things I kept calling her Sophie Allred which I know it's Aldred. I know that in my head. And for some reason, I was just nervous. And this happens literally all the time. I'm always nervous. Just a little behind the scenes talk. I'm always nervous, always insecure when I'm talking to these people. I'm like, I don't want to seem like an idiot. And then that causes me to seem like an idiot, I'm sure. So Sophie Aldred, if you're listening, I apologize. I realize I got your name wrong. I was saying Sophie Aldred the whole time. Uh, just nerves. I apologize, <laughs> but hopefully she'll forgive me and hopefully you will too. Cause I, I think it was a really great interview. She's such a kind individual. And here is our conversation. We're at Pensacon in Pensacola, Florida. We're talking with Sophie Aldred. Shares a birthday with her table mate, Sylvester McCoy, famously known as Ace from the Doctor Who series. Thank you for your time today. How are you? I'm having a great time. Thank you. So is this your first time in Florida? Have you done cons in this area before? Yeah, I was last here with Sylvester, actually, in 2017, I think, but, um, but it's great to be back. And it was so cool to see you and Janet come back in the 60th. Um, I now want a, a, some kind of a spin-off show on the BBC with you guys, like the Doctor's Angels or something like that, where you're hunting down rogue Sontarans or something. Has there been any talk at all that you can mention anyway of possibly doing some kind of a spin-off series? Well, we wouldn't be allowed to mention it, but there hasn't been any talk so far. But we're, we're crossing our fingers because I think it would be a lovely thing to do to come back. It was so great. Like I said, the fan reaction to the 60th and seeing you both there and everything like that. Big Finish has done great job with having like Yago and Lightfoot and Torchwood spinoffs and everything like that. So even if we got a Big Finish series with the two of you and the throw in a couple other companions, it'd be brilliant. Yeah, that would be great. Although I have to correct you on one thing. It wasn't the 60th. It was the, the centenary of the BBC. And we were so privileged to be the, the one show that was chosen to be the centenary celebration for the BBC. And with all the acting you've done, everything like that, obviously you're well known for Doctor Who. How did you decide that acting was, when, or I should say, when did you know acting was going to be the path you were going to take? I think probably when I was about five years old. Um, I always wanted to do it. I don't know why. None of my family were involved in acting, but apparently I just always loved to do it. No looking back, like once you took off, there was like, you know, like we talked to Colin, he was studying to be a solicitor and going to law and everything like that. Did you ever have moments where it's like, uh, maybe I should, was there another field that what would you be doing if it wasn't acting? Um, I never thought that I wouldn't be acting in some capacity, but um, I guess if I hadn't been an actor, I'd have been a teacher, and I have done quite a lot of teaching in my time as well. The audition process for a companion, uh, you know, they've got a lot of people always want to be in Doctor Who. Do you remember the specific audition process for Ace? Was it an arduous thing? Did they know right off that you were going to be the one they wanted? What was the process like of uh, getting the role? Well, I had one audition where I read a piece from, it uh, turned out to be Dragonfire, my first Doctor Who story, and um, I'd never done any TV before, and then I had a recall with uh, the producer for about 10-15 minutes, and I think he must have just decided that I was going to be the one. I, kn- I didn't have a screen test, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, uh, didn't have to, it, it, it was really kind of just out of the blue, a complete surprise. Nobody knew who, who I was, I was actually 
in the back row of the chorus in a production of Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, so I'd never done anything like it before. And how much of you is there in Ace? Obviously, people, when they're actors, they bring aspects of themselves to the character. Um, you know, the bat and the, just the, the demolitions and such a in-your-face character, almost like no other companion we've seen previously. How much of you is there in Ace? Well, with the, the demolitions and all that, there was nothing at all, I'd say, because I'm actually quite a calm, peace-loving person. You don't have a bat in your but, car, uh, then? I'm afraid not, no. <laughs> but, um, but I was quite a tomboy growing up, and... Uh, I did all my own stunts and I loved that and still did in the, in the recent Power of the Doctor. I did all my own stunt work for that too. Um, so there's something quite... I was always quite sporty growing up and, um, and a tomboy, as I said. So there was that side of me uh, in Ace. And we've talked to actors before, and it's you know when you see it on screen, everything's perfectly produced. It looks great. Things seem like they're going well. I love getting the stories of like one of the hardest shoots I ever did was this because of the weather, or like Harry uh, had the problem where she almost got frostbitten and pneumonia when they were doing Caves of Androzini. Did you have one of those moments where it's like that was a difficult shoot to get through a specific episode where it was a rough shoot? Well, although I absolutely love doing every single one of our shoots, I think the most difficult one was really the weather, because the weather in England, contending with that, and in particular a story called The Curse of Fenric, where the weather was changing from day to day. There was rain one day, snow the next. In fact, there's a photograph, a couple of publicity photographs of Sylvester and me, and there's snow uh, on one day, and they had to actually wash it out of the background of the shot to match up with the previous day. And we actually had to change a few lines in the script to say, about the, the strange weather that we're having. Um, I also had to jump in or dive into uh, very, very cold water and um, several times and nearly got hypothermia. Um, yeah. The life of an actor. The life of an actor, what we do. And with everything you're doing now, uh, you're active on social media. Uh, is there uh, projects that people can watch for you to come out in if people want to keep up with you? You're still doing the big finish audio, obviously. But what other things, uh, anything upcoming that we can watch for you? Yes, I do a lot of uh, audio books reading. Uh, so there's, yeah, there's, there's lots, of, lots of books. Interesting science fiction books I've done as well. There's a series by Brandon Sanderson. There's a series by Adrian Tchaikovsky. I'm just about to do another one of those. Um, yeah, so if you look up Sophie Aldred on your, uh, your local uh, sort of audio book place, then you can see me doing that. Um, I do animations as well. I did a very sweet one last year called uh, Piku and Tuki, which is uh, originally an Indian animation, actually, which is for preschool children, uh, which is very sweet. So, yeah, just keeping busy. And the voice, uh, obviously, with the big finish and the animation, is that something that you found you took to very easily? Yes, I've always been able to do voices. Um, particularly children's voices so uh, yeah I, I've always enjoyed doing that and it was relatively easy for me to do that and very last question if you had to sum up your relationship working with Sylvester McCoy how would you sum it up and describe it ace perfectly said we'll leave it there Sophie Aldred thank you very much for your time today I appreciate talking to you thank you very much too and we're not done. We've got one more interview coming up. Very excited for you to hear my chat with Adasa from Encanto, a very sweet, sweet person. 
and a great talent. Uh, you'll, if you've heard her voice in Encanto, but if you've heard any of her other music, some of the stuff she's done, she's absolutely brilliant. We're going to talk with Adasa coming up right after this last commercial break. You're listening to geek to me Radio. Please stand by. Well, hi there, sugar. This is Lenore Zan, Rogue, and I am coming to you from geek to me Radio. Welcome back for our final segment here at geek to me Radio. I'm your host, James Enstall. I want to make sure we tell you to check out our live radio show. We haven't done one of these online ones for a while. They're all online, maybe if you're finding us online because it's a podcast, but we do a live radio show every Sunday night on the Big 550 KTRS based in St. Louis and streaming online. If you're listening to this right now and perhaps this is your first show, maybe you wanted to hear an interview with Dee Wallace or Dasa or Sophie Aldred or Kat Cressida and you're thinking, wow, this is, this is you know, these are some heavy hitters he's got on the show. Who else did he talk to? Well, you can go back and check out the back catalog. You can start at geektomeradio.com. But if you want to check out our live radio show, every Sunday night you can go to ktrs.com slash stream and hear us live every Sunday. If my executive producer, Joey V, is in studio with me, we'll have video as well on YouTube and on Facebook. So make sure you go to YouTube and Facebook, follow and like us there, and subscribe on YouTube if you go to youtube.com slash geektomeradio. If you would... Give us a follow there, and of course, subscribe and hit the little bell notification so you always get notified. We're trying to get to 1K by my birthday, which is coming up here in just a little under a month. Uh, We picked up a lot of great listeners and new followers in Pensacon here at the Pensacola area, and that was great. I'm so grateful for all of you who have found us from there and continue to listen, just as I am all my listeners who always continue to listen and keep up with all the stuff we do. Uh, I'm very proud of this show, and I think we put out a lot of great content. I'd really try to put out some great content, and hopefully you enjoy these interviews as much as I enjoy talking to these wonderful people. Want to make sure we tell you about our new food sponsor while I've got you here. If you're in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, and you've not yet had the chance to try Steve's Hot Dogs, I don't know what you're waiting for. If you're making a trip down there, they're on Grand Avenue, just uh, or you can go to the website Steve's hotdogsstl.com. You want to go to the website, actually, and here is a little thing just for my listeners. They've got a special coupon code that's not going to be around forever, so use it while you can. If you go to the website, steveshotdogsstl.com, place your order online. You can go pick it up, or maybe if you're going to do a catering event, you want to go ahead and order it online anyway, but go to the website, place your order, $5 off your order of $25 or more by entering the coupon code geek to me G. E-E-K-T-O-M-E during checkout. That'll take $5 off your order of $25 or more. Get some great food and save some money while you're doing it. Your tummy and your wallet will thank me. Steve's Hot Dogs is absolutely incredible. Uh, started by Steve Ewing of The Urge. Uh, it's a, almost like a, just a St. Louis staple. If you're going to be in that area, you got to go down and get a Steve's Hot Dogs. If you're going to go to the new city, if you're going to see them, uh, the city take on in the soccer tournament, some of the people they've taken, that you want to go down there and check out that area they've got a new location right there so you can grab some hot dogs before the game place your order online though if you want to take advantage of the coupon code geek to me put that coupon code in at checkout on online orders and you'll save five dollars off your order of 25 dollars or more steve's hot dogs stl very glad to have them here as our new food sponsor on geek to me radio with that said we've got one more guest and some might say i'd save the best for last it's hard to say with the crowd of people i've had on this show today but here we have my interview with Adasa. 
We're at Pensacon. We're talking with Adasa, who everyone knows as Dolores from Encanto. How are you? I am super, super happy to be here. So I always like to ask because there's different audition process. So for the role, you're obviously your musical. People know you from your music. Were you asked to audition, or did you like campaign to get in? How did how did the uh, how did the process go of landing the part? I actually was asked to audition. They got a hold of me through my YouTube channel, where that's where my content was, and. I get an email and I'm like, okay, who wants to get a hold of me for a great opportunity? And all of a sudden, yes, it's real and there are real people that exist. And they wanted me to audition for it and I had 24 hours to turn in my audition and then everything else from there has just been an incredible ride. And it was like, did you nail it right off the bat? They're like, well, it's down between you and somebody else. They'd be like, nope, Adasa's our person. We're bringing her in for this. I mean, this is Disney. They can have anybody in the world. And this part is so special. I love Dolores. So I never thought I actually would get the role. So I was just like, it's nice to be considered. You know, but when I got the call back, I was like, they liked what I did. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, I've been singing my whole life. But I was like, I, I hope I can act well Fine. enough for this. I mean, I do have kids, so I've learned a lot with that. Right, but right. <laughs> So when I went in and I was able to audition for the directors and for the producers, I was just floored to see how genuine and, and loving and kind they are and funny and down to earth. They're just like big kids. And obviously it was a singing part. Uh, it's Disney. I wonder how far along in the process did you get to see storyboard so you got to see how Dolores looked before you found the voice was it just no we want your voice don't put on any airs or anything how about uh, finding her actual voice what was the collaboration process between you and Disney Oh, man, it was something special because I go in there and I'm a Latina, so I'm really excited and, and everything. Um, but I had had COVID a few months prior and I had just gone through a really hard time where I only had to whisper to my kids because if I did anything else other than whispering, I would pass out. So I was paralyzed from the neck down for a couple of months and on and off and on and off. We couldn't figure out what it was until they told me, well, there are unknowns about COVID. And so during this whole time, I just thought, you know, they may never call me back. It was fine. And then they do the callback. And then when I noticed I got the part, uh, you know, it took, I really feel like it was a miracle to get back to the point of being able to go in and do that recording. And the first thing they said when they, they saw me was like, well, we're thinking of Dolores to have just like a very quiet and intimate tone of voice. And I was like, oh, I've been living there. <laughs> I know exactly where to go. <laughs> So it wasn't so, any problem. You already lived it. I literally have lived it. And uh, and so it was very easy for me to get back into that character. Now, when it was time to work with Lin-Manuel Miranda, which is such an... I mean, he is epic. It's just what a genuine, loving, just talented, amazing genius that is so down to earth. And you would never expect that from somebody who's had so many awards and just been revered by the world. And yet he is. He's just just a simple kind guy and uh, when I was with him I was like well I've already worked with the directors and we have this very intimate tone for Dolores and she you know whispers everything so I didn't hear her singing the song like girl I live in fear from a stuttering and stumbling so I was like well I kind of have this idea and he was very open to listening and that's when Grew to live in fear, Bruno stuttering and stumbling. I can always hear him sort of muttering and mumbling. I associate him with the sound of bonds. And came on and uh, he said yes. So I was like, I'm not fired. 
If you've wowed Lin-Manuel, I think that's the pretty much, the, I don't know where you go from there. <laughs> I, I'm just grateful to, to be a part of this cast because I really feel that really from just the beginning essence of the casting, and I'm so grateful for Jamie Sparrow Roberts to have casted such an incredible family because we will be forever tied together and we genuinely love each other. We're all different and yet we all represent this family which is very much representative of each and every single one of our families you know we do come in every shade we do come in such diverse ways and they were able to portray that family with such lovely beauty and real it's real it's a real story with the realities of the of the generational trauma that we all carry with us and the misunderstandings of life but at the end of the day if we can find a way to construct our family lives under a firm foundation it just leads to a happy and communicative relationship between all parties for the most joy to take place and did you grow up a disney kid Do you have like your first memory of a disney cartoon or movie that you remember that locked in Absolutely. For me, it was Ariel in The Little Mermaid. That was it. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? So when I heard part of that world, like I really felt I want to be part of your world. I did. And so that was my dream was to work in Disney. But like I had a tangible goal. It wasn't like I'm going to be a Disney princess someday. I was like, look, I just want to work as an extra that was my dream and so to be now a part of this amazing cast a film that broke records of 26 years for we don't talk about bruno i mean the song that has been played around the world just did so much and for all kids to be able to see that there is a place for them that there is a place not just in the industry but in the world that we hear them is so important to feel seen and heard. And I feel it gives kids the opportunity to know that they can shoot as high as they want with their dreams because anything is possible if you believe and you strive to be the best at whatever you want to do. And I want to talk about your other music. You've obviously collaborated with a bunch of great people. Um, do you gravitate towards certain artists or are you kind of, people come to you and say, hey, we'd love you to collaborate in this. How do some of your collaborations like Enrique Iglesias, Flo Rida, things like that. How, how I've always wondered how musicians who collaborate find each other. I've had such a wonderful journey in the life that I've had and lived to be able to call them my friends. And so some of them have reached out to me, some of them through my label um, when I was at the time with Universal. So it's really nice because then we're kind of like the fish in the pond going around and we'll see each other again. And it's great to have wonderful relationships. Like working with Pitbull was so unique and, and he was the first one that I had a song collaboration with him. And so we've done many collaborations since um, with Snoop or with Flo Rider. It's all been different. Luis Fonsi was another one um, as a label mate. Um, he's just such an incredible person. So uh, he's very funny and and uh, shy sometimes. Um, and I, I just love his personality. So it's been really nice to be able to um, be among people that share the same passion for music. And now working with Encanto to sit and like be able to talk to Lin-Manuel and see about his experience behind the scenes, you know, him yeah. being on Broadway. Honestly, for the Hollywood Bowl, I was like, why aren't you on stage with us? And he's like, look, 
I'm going to be in the audience. I'm going to introduce you guys. And then I'm going to enjoy the show. Um, so it was nice to have his blessing for him to be the one to open the show for us and to be able to do that. It was great. And then I got to see Carlos Vives, which, again, was like, wow. You know what I mean? I get to still have the music world tied into my acting side now. And it's, yeah. and it's great to see each other again. And I'm always curious because, uh, obviously, technology has changed the way cartoons and voiceover work and everything is made and done. This I'm trying to remember the timeline. This this was filmed prior to COVID. You had it, everything was pretty much filmed. So did you guys get to record in booths where you could see each other? Was it all everyone individually? Well, the phase that they did prior to COVID was all of the research, and then they had a lot of the storyboard set up. But when it came time to doing vocal productions the vocal side that was everyone in their own studios in every part of the world so the first time we actually physically saw each other was when we did the premiere so it was like wow you're a real person <laughs> like you're not just like this character on zoom right. we're like really real so it was so beautiful and since then the each every each and every opportunity we've had to physically be with each other like if it's d23 if it's the hollywood bowl if it's the oscars if it's the amas it feels so wonderful because it's like you're seeing a family member and you're like hey we're gonna pick it up where we left off <laughs> And last question, because I know you've got people here, and you're again Pensacon in Pensacola, Florida. If you're listening to this, come on out and check out all the people who are here. You can get your picture taken with Adasa. You'll be in costume tomorrow, I understand. I will be in costume. So if you want to get a picture with me as Dolores, come on out, and we're just gonna have a great time. I'll be here from 10 to 6 on Saturday, and then until 5 on Sunday. And real quick, rapid fire, five questions called this or that. There's no wrong answer because it's your preference. If I say chocolate or vanilla ice cream? Chocolate. Chunky peanut butter or smooth peanut butter? Smooth. Tea or coffee? Tea. If you're vacationing, mountains or beach? Beach. And finally, if you had to pick a Star Wars lightsaber, red lightsaber or blue lightsaber? Blue. Blue. Because she's a good person. That's why she's not a Sith Lord. Adasa, uh, where can people keep up with you online, social media handles and websites and things like that? Absolutely. You can keep up with me on TikTok at Adasa Official or also on my website, Adasa Official. Facebook, the same. Instagram. So please come on. Go ahead and follow so you can see where I'll be and maybe I'll be close to you real soon. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That's going to do it. Pensacon in Pensacola, Florida. My thanks to Julio Diaz for uh, allowing me to come down to there as press and check it out. And thanks to Christian Basil from The Legend of the Traveling Tardis for uh, co-hosting me in his tent and letting me co-host some of those great Doctor Who panels. Thank you to Kat Cressida, Dee Wallace, Sophie Aldred, and Adasa for being part of the show. Thank you, as always, to my sponsors, the City of St. Charles, discoverstcharles.com, Steve's Hot Dogs, Steve's Hot Dogs STL, and of course, Bugs Comics and Games, following them on Find them on Facebook at Bugs Comics and Games. Give their page a like there. And thanks, as always, to my executive producer, Joey V. He's putting in all the hard work. All I'm doing is recording stuff, and he's putting the show up online, so he's doing the heavy lifting. My thanks, as always, to Joey V. Still wouldn't be doing this show 349 episodes later without him. Speaking of, the 350th episode is coming up. This Sunday, make sure you check that out. My interview with Julian Glover. Talk about a legend. This guy's done it all. That's going to be uh, live on the radio. It's pre-recorded, but it's my live show still. And a brand new episode, the 350th. You can stream that at ktrs.com slash stream 10 p.m. 
Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, this coming Sunday the 19th, while I am at Kansas City for Planet Comic Con. That's going to do it. Until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you watch I sound be. It's not in the way you watch the flash. It's not in the way you love Scotty Young Arts. It's not in the way you play Mario Kart. It's not in the way you look when you make him a throw trap and says, That's a show. This is Geek Thank you, Pensacola. Good night. Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek2me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say Referral Geek2Me Radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek2me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.